today on Quest, wellness advocate, Ava Jahada. Life is a quest for logic and reason. It is a quest to find balance between science and faith. Life is a quest for knowledge and understanding. But most importantly, it's a quest for personal discovery. Whatever your quest, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Welcome to Quest. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Todd Fisher, and this is Season 2 of Quest. For those of you that might be new listeners, let me tell you a little about me. I'm the founder of Metatomics and the author of the best-selling book, Metatomics, The Grand Design. I'm a philosopher, a theorist, and a metaphysicist. I'm a perpetual pupil of theology and an expert in comparative religious study. I've also extensively researched the mind-body connection, anatomy, and physiology. I'm a researcher and a storyteller. And in order to tell this story, the research is necessary, and part of the research is the search. And that brings us to why I created the Quest podcast. A quest is a search for something. And this podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. To me, curiosity is part of what makes us human. And there's still so much we don't know. There's joy in discovery. It's what drives us. It's our quest. Today on Quest, my guest is San Diego-based yoga and meditation teacher, visual storyteller, wellness advocate, and spiritual business coach, Ava Johanna. I think you'll enjoy today's podcast. Have a listen. Hi, Ava. Welcome to the Quest Podcast. I'm so excited to be here, Todd. Thank you so much for having me. You are my first interview of 2021. It is amazing. An honor. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> The honor is mine, really. Uh, I had about five or six podcasts I recorded uh, back around November and early December. So these, this, I'm finally getting some fresh content because so much stuff in the world is still going crazy since I my viewers last heard from me. And uh, so I'm excited to, uh, to kind of dig into stuff. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, you do a lot of stuff. You, you know, you're in the yoga world, you're a meditation teacher, you're in all types of wellness. I really kind of dig the, uh, the world you're creating. You're creating this little mini empire. And, uh, and personally myself, no joke, I, I, I say this to everyone, but this is the truth. I'm, I'm always watching your lives on Instagram. I love the stuff you put out. It's just, it's so positive and inspirational. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's funny because when I talk to my clients about it, I'm always like, create your own ecosystem where you just know everything is flowing together. You've got 
ways to support people that are as simple as going live. You've got um, other bigger, grander programs and offers where people can dive even deeper. And I think that that has really allowed me to have the success that I have is that I really look at it as this ecosystem of like, how can I serve? How can I, how can I create? What is it that I can do to just like impact the people that have agreed to be in my space and be in my energy? For sure. And energy is the key word because I was, I was actually talking to you about this before we started recording, but, um, one of the things I love about you is just your positivity. There's just, it's just like such a nice air to be in when I, when I watch you, you talk to people, there's, it's really something amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, I definitely think that that has been something I've been really intentional about. I know that in the online space, it can get tricky, you know, because we want to be raw and vulnerable and show everybody all sides of ourselves and not just show the highlight reel, but I had a very specific intention with my brand from the very beginning. And that was to bring love, to bring joy, to bring happiness into people's lives. And so, um, it's been, it's been a decision to show up from that place and radiate that positivity, because I know that there are so many places that we can go to on the internet that really feed off of anger or fear. And not to say that anger is bad, but fear, I would say is, is a little bit of a thumbs down. Um, and I don't want to be that. I am very, very intentional with how I show up because I want to make sure that the people that are coming to see me are feeding off of an energy that is allowing them to be elevated at the same time, you know? Sure. Absolutely. It, it, you know, it's interesting because back over a year ago, when people could still get together and meet, and you could, you could go to a real physical yoga class, you could do things. You know, you could you could kind of kind of bask in the energy of the room, and you might be around people that are just really, you know, uh, just r really interesting people to be around, and you just you kind of just soak up that that world, or you, you just even having other people around you, and you have these really fun, hospitable, energetic atmospheres. And I felt like a lot of that was lost when we had to get locked down and um, and it so it's a lot harder to navigate all the zoom classes that are out there which there's way more of than ever before uh to to get that same experience to feel that same way and so for you to exude this just from an instagram live is really a magnetic thing it really is an important factor and that's what i really like about you there's something inherently in your dna that makes you as makes you as good as you are Oh, that means so much. I'm just soaking in that right now because <laughs> that's such a compliment. Yeah. You know, I think it honestly goes back to like, I, I do put myself first at the end of the day. Um, well, really at the beginning of the day, because I spend the first half of my day, really making sure that I'm filling up my own cup. So then it becomes this obvious, um, obvious next step to share that with other people. And I think that if I were to re reverse back to even like three or four years ago, um, or even like two years ago, when I was like just starting to create my coaching business and had moved up to LA for a little while to really like break into the yoga industry, I didn't put myself first. I thought that the way to be more successful, the way to be liked more was to just start grinding the moment that you wake up. And I've really had to do a lot of um, unlearning around that to take my morning slower, to meditate, to breathe, to journal, to listen to music, to dance. And 
from that place, it's just like, how could I not just give this to other people? And I think that we forget about that, the potency of showing up for yourself and how that is such a, in a way, selfless act because it influences how you show up the rest of the day. For sure. For sure. I want to get into early Ava. So you have a really interesting story growing up. And I want you to tell everyone a little bit about it. Tell me about early Ava. Where did you grow up? Did you have a big family? Did you grow up spiritual, religious? Give me what young you was like. Yeah, yeah. So very small family. I My parents divorced when I was four years old. And on both sides of the family, we're tiny but mighty. Um, and shortly after they had divorced, my mom remarried, or not, re yeah, she remarried her high school sweetheart. And, um, you know, the first few years of us three being a family were incredibly fun. I was like the center of attention between both of them. I was the only child. And then um, when I turned nine years old, my mom got pregnant with my little sister. And um, shortly before my 10th birth birthday, my little sister was born. And um, because it was my my stepdad's daughter, his, his full blood daughter, um, things changed. The dynamic changed completely. And when she was two and a half years old, she was diagnosed with autism and that kind of shifted the dynamic even further. Um, unfortunately, it didn't bring my stepdad and my mom closer together. It really created a wedge between them. So by the time they, I was 15 or 16 years old, they ended up going their separate ways. I was so celebratory of that because I had seen how toxic their relationship had become and how it was spilling into my relationship with my stepdad, my relationship with my mom, my relationship with my um, birth dad, who I'm very close with. And it was a joyous moment. However, in those moments, we had no idea what to expect in the coming months and coming years. Um, my mom had always worked at a preschool and special education ever since my sister was diagnosed. And um, she was working part-time. So she was making a part-time special education aid teacher's salary. You know, it's not, it's not much, um, not much compared to how much they do, how big her heart is and really how they are walking angels on this earth for all that they do. Um, so Anyways, to wrap that up, I, uh, my sister, my mom, and I, unfortunately, after trying to survive for many months after their separation, were evicted from our home in an affluent area in northern LA and forced to live on couches with friends, with family, with neighbors. Thank God we had community to hold us when we were down so low. Um, our car was repossessed. We were, or my mom was traveling to the food bank every other weekend. We had food stamps. Um, it was a really low point in, in, in my little collective's lives and really hard because we were surrounded by so much wealth, so much that everywhere I turned, I was just constantly comparing myself and feeling like I wasn't enough and feeling so much anger as well too for the position that I had been put in as a child, you know, up until that point, life was good. We were a middle-class family, upper middle-class and, um, 
it felt like the rug was pulled from underneath me. And so I vowed really at that point that I never, never, never wanted to be in that position again. And um, while I was very close to it for many years following that, luckily by my early 20s, I was able to, I moved down to San Diego after high school because I wanted to get as far away as possible from that little town, that bubble. And um, eventually I kind of tricked my way into a full-time job at the San Diego Reader, which is like an alternative news publication down here in San Diego. Um, and I ended up building their digital marketing agency alongside the general manager, um, led a team of, I think it was like eight to 12 people all together. And I, that's really where I started learning all of the skills that I then eventually used for my business. So I was definitely a hustler back in the day and I still am. Um, and so there's some gratitude for the low lows that I experienced as a teenager, um, because if I hadn't been put in that position, I wouldn't have learned the value of working hard and pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and continuing to go after it and not give up. And I think that that has been such a gift for me, especially as I was entering the entrepreneurial space and really being tested in like all areas of life to rise up into who I am now today. Sure. Sure. Did you, when you were growing up with your, your mom and your stepdad, were you spiritual or, or religious at that time? No, not at all. It's funny because my stepdad was Jewish. Um, I don't know if he ever had a bar mitzvah, but he was very loud and proud Jewish. And from the perspective of like, we need to do the holidays. However, when we, my mom and I would go and get the Passover Seder and all the books to read and all the rituals to do on the Jewish holidays, um, my, my stepdad would sit at the table and be like, can we eat yet? is it time to eat yet? And so we would try to put on this whole thing for him. Um, and there was just no gratitude reciprocated. Um, so that was like really my only stint of religion and spirituality. And um, it really wasn't until I was about 24, 23, 24, when I found yoga that I started uh, learning about personal development, learning about spirituality, like starting to explore the practices that now I include in my everyday and in my teachings. Good, good. How have you, how have you handled a year of COVID and unrest? How has it affected you personally with everything that's happened in the last year? What's, what's been the biggest change for you? I think the biggest thing it's, and I feel incredibly grateful because my husband and I had been working from home longer than um, just this past year. It's really been a few years of us working from home. So business-wise, there wasn't really much of a shift for us. It was just continued growth, which I'm endlessly grateful for and have been just sitting in so much just thankfulness for our situation. I think for me, it was mostly really coming up against the walls of these big discomforts that lived inside of me around what it means to be in control and out of control and the, the patience that is so necessary for all of us to learn and adapt um, in the many different seasons of life. When COVID first happened, I mean, I was in the position of how dare they close down the world and just kind of creating this like victim mentality around me losing control. And so 
throughout the entire year, I was just constantly faced with this, like, okay, it's time to let go of control. Like you are not in control here, um, which can be really hard because control is so, um, so connected to safety. And for me, not having a roof over my head, not knowing where the next meal was going to come from, not knowing how I was going to get to school, that all triggered the, the, fear that I had and those wounds that I had as a, as a teenager around being in control, meaning I'm not going to be safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's interesting that you choose control as the kind of the, this catalyst for how you, how you've changed in, in the year. I don't think I've had a guest on that's mentioned that, that, that sense of losing control. Um, and that's interesting perspective. I like that. That's, you really have kind of, uh, boiled it down to the essence of one of the one of the problems with this is yeah that lack of control people are shutting down schools and restaurants and all of those all those things and you can't do anything about it right yeah exactly and i think that's what we're all experiencing too and maybe we didn't necessarily have the the right word to explain what it was that was kind of being activated inside of us, but it's such a ego death to realize, oh, I thought I was in control of this thing and, and I'm really not. And how am I going to respond to that? How am I going to be okay when I'm not in control? And how is this further going to be a gift for me in other areas of life when this is presented to me again? Yeah. Yeah. Now you were born and raised in California. Is that right? Did you live anywhere else? I lived in Portland for maybe six months when I was two years old, but born and raised Southern California, baby, uh, grew up in, I was born in Santa Monica and then lived in San Diego for about two years when I was in kindergarten and then back up to LA. Um, and after high school moved back down to San Diego and I've been here ever since. Yeah. Yeah. I often uh, think it's harder for people in California on a lot of oh, yeah. levels. I grew, I grew up in the Midwest but I've lived in California. I've lived in New York. I lived, lived all over the country for all different parcels of time. And, uh, and, and I always uh, felt sad for people in California because California is such a big state to begin with. It's almost like three separate states mm-hmm. and, and they're all uniquely different. And you go to Northern California, it's so much different than Southern California. There's all different kinds of people, all different kinds of industry, and it's expensive. There's lots of issues like to essentially be homeless in your teens in an affluent neighborhood. It's actually, that's very depressing. Like that's terrible. Like I couldn't imagine, you know, and like you might've had an easier time being homeless in Indiana and maybe not even have been homeless in Indiana because it would have mm-hmm. been maybe a, a more affordable or, or whatever. But, but there's, there's, it was always interesting to me when I lived in California, the friends I made there were actually people that were transplants from other states. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really make a lot of good, solid friendships with people that were born and raised in California because like they thought differently about stuff. Everything was, was like, there was a coat of gloss on so much. And, and mm-hmm. that's the Hollywood thing, that Hollywood influence and that whole way of life. And, um, and there's a real shallowness to that. And I, I have a lot of celebrities that come on my podcast and I always bring them on to talk about religion or spirituality because I don't there's not a lot of celebrities that like to wear their spirituality or their religion on their sleeve. Yeah. It's something they don't really talk about or discuss. And many don't have it at all. And, uh, and they're sort of embarrassed by it. They're sort of, you know, don't think it's anyone's business. Sometimes they think it will affect them getting work. There's a million things. It's just an odd, such an odd community, the LA area. 
Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. You know, my husband and I, we moved back up to LA for six months after we got married to see how we would like it. And immediately, I mean, within six months, we had made the decision of no, this is not for us because it really was that feeling of smoke and mirrors of like, what, what is actually real here? And for us, um, we just knew that the people that we wanted to surround ourselves with and the importance of our relationship and the importance of being authentic and doing things from this place of authenticity versus just following along with what everyone else is doing was far more important than the zip code that we lived in. But I completely agree. You know, it's interesting because for me, my spiritual path and my religious path, especially over this past year has um, definitely sped up. And I've started, I remember, when was it? When I was in Australia, I read through the Bhagavad Gita, I read through Upanishads when I got home. And then um, over the fall, I started digging into the Bible. And for me, having these biblical studies and then other religious texts to refer back to has just brought so much joy, so much faith, and so much just love into my life that I want to share that. And I see so many people holding back celebrities, influencers, coaches, spiritual leaders, because I think that there's a fear around the, the, labeling of being a Christian or Catholic, um, or like spiritual in some sense of the way, because we see, and I think that this is what kind of what we were talking about before we hopped on the interview is that we see this stereotyping of so many different groups that is incredibly dangerous and unproductive to label because you are Christian, you are this. And I'm seeing that a lot lately and it makes me really sad because I think that it's doing a great disservice to such a beautiful religion that has been used in bad ways in many instances, but can offer so much to so many people that are struggling right now. It's uh, it's interesting that uh, I think when I think especially for young people, a lot of young people are disillusioned with organized religion and they try to seek out their own form of spirituality or get things from somewhere else because either they're forced into it by their parents and anytime you force someone to do something, they're just the first thing they're going to do when they get independence is not do it. So they're going to quit going to church. But, but also there's kind of an old guard and then you walk into a Catholic church and it's a lot of old people. Um, it's everything is that way. You just don't see people in your own demographic or your own age group. And I think that there's a generation that has to sort of leave that. And the hope is more people will come into those churches, but how can the church reach them? And that's the interesting thing. And also organized religion hasn't utilized social media the way it probably should. And the, the opposite counterpoint to all this is that when you do hear about religion on the, in the press, in the media, it's always negative. Yeah. So all this stuff just kind of goes against young people being involved in any kind of organized religion. Um, so they tend to seek out other forms of spirituality. And then more cases than not, they wind up in something that's cult-based, of which there's this fascination anyways, especially in America, about cults. And there's, you know, there's 
four documentary television shows on pay channels right now that cover them, mm-hmm. some of the more popular yeah. ones. And there's a fascination about this and there's an interest in it and people wind up in these things. And, uh, and it's, and so these kind of secondary, you know, new religions or new spiritual practices or um, new thought ministries and things are always, it's, it's tricky. It's really tricky to, uh, to navigate that world. And I think people want to want to believe in more. They want to get in touch with things that they feel are missing in their lives, but um, they're lost by it. Yeah, and that's why yeah. the good the good practitioners out there, I think, are are helping people. And, and do you think that the the people need wellness now more than ever because of COVID and the state of the world? Yes, and I think when we use the term wellness, we need to look at it from a very intuitive and personalized place, because I think that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure. If you log in for a single moment to Instagram or Facebook or a blog to do it exactly like someone else. And I have it's, it's just never worked for me. It's never worked for me to copy someone's A through Z morning routine, eat the same way that they do, meditate in the same style they do. It just doesn't feel good to take on this kind of disassociative chameleon-like behavior. And I find that that creates a lot of tension for a lot of people when they're first going into the wellness industry. Um, in the same way, potentially organized religion can where it doesn't feel welcoming. It doesn't feel accessible. It doesn't feel like the, the genes fit right, you know? And so I think that when we talk about wellness, it's important that we look at it from a place of what is it that's going to be suitable for you? That's going to enhance you on a mind, body, spirit level. And how can you start to get curious with what practices, rituals, experiences, you know, uh, journal prompts, meditations, breath, uh, podcasts, what is going to create more in your life versus leave you feeling like you less. Right. And, and I think, uh, uh, you know, for me, my thing is kind of take what's useful, discard what is useless to you and add what is your own. And that's that kind of that mix that I use for me because everyone's built a little differently and in terms of how they can diet or what they eat or what poses they can get into when they do yoga or how their, you know, their physiology is, how they're built um, and what their mind's prepared to take in or process or, or totally. want to believe in. So you're right that, you know, wellness is, that's a tough word because you can't really necessarily expect this will be, I'm going to ask you a little later in the podcast, what's your daily practice like? And some people will think of that and, talk and listen to that and want to try that literally and it may or may not work for them and that's the thing but I still like to ask because what it will do is it will at least seed something that someone will think about you know I haven't tried that before because that's all I really want people to do is try stuff (laughs) yeah absolutely it's the inspiration that you want to feel when someone's talking you know that kind of like ping of like ooh, maybe like that's something that I should try because any time that we feel that it's really just a mirror of like what is available for us and what life wants for us, you know? And so I think that, um, for anyone that is, you know, just starting out or maybe looking for something new to incorporate, just follow that, follow that. Ooh, like I want that feeling. I want to ask you about this. Do you think, so there seems to be this very cluttered landscape of people getting into yoga and meditation and other forms of wellness 
as teachers and instructors, especially after COVID. Mm -hmm. It seems like everybody got on Instagram and started offering free classes or $7 dance workshops or, you know, whatever it was that they were offering. Everyone was teaching something on Zoom. Do you, so I'm, what I'm curious about is um, how, does a person, how does one find the, the right person in their wellness journey, especially now that that landscape is so cluttered? How do you separate the experienced practitioners from the novice? Yeah, that's a great question, you know, and I think that when I first entered this industry, I had a lot of fear around like, oh, is the bubble going to pop? There's so many people. It's so saturated. But after you know, honestly being even more touch in touch with my body and my intuition and just like having this inner knowing when I, when I meet people and like we were saying earlier, just really feeling their energy. It was really easy to weed out, uh, dare I say who's full of shit and who is, um, who's authentic and who's real yeah. and who's, who's, um, showing up from a place of knowledge and integrity. And I think that it can be hard at first when you don't have a, understanding of like how to check in with yourself and feel how someone's energy um, impacts your own. And as an example, maybe you go and watch someone's Instagram live or um, read a post or a video that they do and you feel kind of tired afterwards or agitated. That's a good sign that you probably don't want to work with that person versus right. feeling lit up, feeling excited, feeling empowered. Um, that's a good sign that like, yes, can explore a little bit deeper. But I think on a more like um, tactical side of it, you know, as far as the physical body goes or working with the mind, I think it's really important to find people that have gone through trainings or certifications that have a very clear understanding of how to hold space in the container, how to answer the questions that you might have from the experiences that you're having, um, and be able to guide you from this place of, again, integrity that they know what they're talking about. You know, I remember when I first moved up to LA, I was like, I want to create this whole fitness concept. It's going to be meditation. It's going to be breath work. It's going to be a little bit of, um, like yoga sculpt. And I had never done a yoga sculpt training. My girlfriend had led me through a couple different classes, just her doing one-on-one -on -one kind of mentorship, but I didn't do a full training in it. And I felt so, uncomfortable teaching it. I did it for maybe two months and I was like, yeah, this isn't right. I don't, I'm not walking the walk and talking the talk right now because I don't know. I don't know the proper alignment. I don't know what to tell someone if this happens or this happens. And so I think that while I hear a lot of people say like, you don't need a certification for certain things like life coaching and business coaching. And to that, I agree to an extent. Um, but when it comes to learning meditation or learning, um, like taking a yoga class, you want somebody who knows because they're going to be able to hold space for you. And they're going to be able to support you through anything that comes up. I'm so grateful that I went through a meditation training because it just made me that much more confident, that much more knowledgeable and that much more, um, capable of creating a safe container for people to explore their minds in a way that doesn't cause more harm than good. Right, for sure. Let's let's get into a little bit about the services that you offer. Let's talk about the Academy of Breath. Yeah. Tell tell everyone <laughs> a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of integrity and creating safe containers for people, that was really my intention behind the Academy of the Breath. You know, when I first started meditating and breathing, I was like, oh my God, this is so great. I was definitely a meditation evangelist. I was like, you need to meditate and you need to meditate. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and I just wanted to give people the gift of meditation and breath work. And I did so through my yoga classes, through my, my online community, through my podcast with my one-on-one -on -one clients with my group clients, but I felt like it was just scratching the surface of how these practices, these tools really could be released into the earth in such a powerful way that could literally change the fabric of our society. And I believe that. I believe that meditation and breath work are tools that will change the collective because they are so powerful, not only as a practice of relieving stress, relieving anxiety, but also being able to create a connection between two human beings and at the same time, a connection between you and a higher power. And so it's like this layered experience that you can give yourself on a daily basis that makes you a better human being in all areas of your life. And so when I created the Academy of Breath, I just knew that I wanted to get as many people as possible on this planet meditating and breathing and that I couldn't do it alone, that I needed more teachers alongside me. So I created right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I know that there is a reason God delivered me that idea in the moment that, that, that it was delivered was because as we saw, as summer progressed, as fall progressed, as we're, it's now progressing into 2021, we need these tools. We need to be more compassionate. We need to have like practice empathy. We need to be more connected, more responsive versus reactive. Um, so going back to the initial question, what is the Academy of Breath? It is an online breathwork and meditation teacher training. I teach you the neuroscience and the spiritual lineage of both breathwork and meditation. So we cover nine different breathwork practices, three different styles of meditation. I teach you how to incorporate this into building a business, how to take these practices and run with it with your authentic expression versus just becoming a carbon copy of me. Um, and it's been such a gift. We've served over 130 students so far. And I, I just know and feel so deep inside of my bones that this is just the beginning for the work that we're doing. And I'm so ready to just open myself to be available to serve even more people through this program. Cause I know and, and how it's powerful, how powerful it is. Yeah. And let me ask you this. So can anyone enroll in the Academy of Breath or is this for people that want to be teachers and get certified for meditation and breath work? Is, is it open to anyone or just for teachers? Yeah, it's open to anyone. So I look at it in the same way you would potentially look at it, like a yoga teacher training. You know, sure. you might have a group of people come into a yoga teacher training. Some of them just want to deepen their own practice. Some of them want to teach by the end of it. Some people just decide to keep it a personal practice. Some people decide to teach. And that's really how I set up the Academy of Breath as well, too, with first and foremost, focusing on deepening your own practice. Because again, that comes back to that integrity piece and the embodiment practice that makes people want to work with you. Um, and so I invite everyone in, if you want to learn meditation and breath work, this is a space for you to dive so deep into both of these practices. You also do VIP coaching. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I transitioned from digital marketing into the wellness space and, you know, honestly, from the very beginning, I wanted to help 
yoga teachers. I wanted to help wellness professionals with marketing, with creating an online business, because I just saw that there were so many people that had these big hearts and big missions, but zero business skills, business expertise, understanding what whatsoever of how to show up online. Um, and it kind of sat on the back burner for the first couple of years of my business. And I think a little bit of it was, oh, I don't know. I need to have a bigger business before I can start talking to people about this, or I need to be able to make this much money before I can start being an expert. Um, and then finally it got to the point where I was like, oh no, mm -mm, no, I need to share this. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, I really focus in my, in my VIP coaching, helping wellness professionals, whether it be other coaches, yoga teachers, uh, meditation teachers, everything from coaches to healers, to teachers, anyone that wants to build an online business in the wellness space with bringing spirituality, intuition, and a fluid approach to building a business in a very masculine world versus the strategy and the structure and the logical. We kind of completely go to the other side of the spectrum and focus on what it means to be human and showing up and owning your voice and being fully expressed and allowing that to be enough to build your business. So it's right. such a gift. I, I work with my clients in one-on-one -on -one and then inside of a mastermind. And um, it's so much fun because so many people, all they're ever exposed to is the way to build your business is to do this and follow this person and don't do anything else besides this and stay up until 2am in the morning doing this. And I did that for a while and it didn't work for me. So I was like, let me try something new. Let me just see, let me experiment with like how much fun I can have and how little I can work and how much I can give and let that be enough. And ever since that started working, I was like, all right, got to bring this to more people. Right, for sure. Well, you also, I've also noticed the title spiritual business coach for you. Is that the same as the VIP coaching or is that different? Yes, that's the same as my VIP coaching. Yeah. So I've seen, I, that. I've seen those used interchangeably. So I just wanted to make sure that those were, those were the same. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, building a business is a spiritual, it's a spiritual experience. You know, I, I think people go into entrepreneurship thinking that it's, it's a compartmentalization of themselves, but really as you begin to build your business, every single wound, every single trigger, every single fear, every single doubt will come up to the surface for you. Because when you say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to start my own business. What you're also saying is I'm ready to rise. And part of rising is letting go of anything that is keeping you down or, or, or holding you in, in a smaller space. And so oh, the spiritual aspect of it is like, okay, let's do this while you build your business. Let's, let's work through these triggers. Let's work through these wounds. Let's let your, your, your soul and your, your energy rise as we see success, as we create on this material level as well. Sure. Of course. You also have a podcast of your own. Tell, tell my listeners about that. I do. Yeah. So it's called the alchemized life. Still my favorite title ever. <laughs> I feel like I, I'm going to write a book called the alchemized life, baby. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I started my podcast who in 2018, I think. So it's been almost three years and it's been 
so much fun being able to just, as you know, Todd, talk to so many brilliant, brilliant people and really look at each and every one of them as mentors and be able to share their messages with my audience to find new people and grow my community through their audiences. It's been really fun. You know, we really focus on talking about the alchemy of life, which is the process of and the transmuting of your experiences into your highest self and what it means to live a life by your own design, a career by your own design, relationships by your own design. And so we cover all those juicy topics and um, it's, it's just such a gift to be able to learn alongside all of my guests and kind of be the steward of the ship as well too. Um, and it's fun, as you know, it's so much fun. How often do they come out? Once a week. Yeah. Every Once Monday. Yeah. I did Good. for a little while, six times a month. And I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> oh, that's this a, is lot. a lot to keep up with. <laughs> that is a lot. And people can find that on all the traditional channels, right? Yes. Yeah. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all the places. And what about the rest of your empire? Where can people get you at? You have a .com. Are you out there on the interwebs? Tell people how right. they can find you. Yes, I am everywhere on the interwebs. Um, so my website is avajohanna.com and my Instagram where I would love to connect with all of you that are listening. If you want to slide up in my DMs, I'd seriously, part of me creating this brand isn't just for me to put stuff out. It's for us to engage with each other and for me to hear from you. I look at everyone in my community as friends, um, but my Instagram is at avajohanna and through either my website or my Instagram, you can find information on my programs, on the academy of breath, all the things. Great. Great. Well, you know, I was, I always like to ask people this. I want to know what your, what your daily practice is like. Does it involve meditation, prayer? Do you have a certain diet, certain exercise? What's your daily like? Yeah. So recently my, I've been 2021 is honestly the year where I'm taking better care of my body. I think for a while it was like, focus on my business, focus on my mind. And I, I'll be honest, I, in 20 December, 2020. So just like a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting and I was like, I feel like my spirit is too big for my body. And I started feeling all of these really intense pains throughout my body and just knew that I needed to start taking better care of my physical body. So my physical routine is changing, but I like to devote at least three to four times a week to either doing the class by Taryn Toomey on my Apple TV or um, working with a personal trainer. And then every single day, my daily routine is waking up in the morning. I will sit down, I'll journal for a little bit. I'll meditate. I'll breathe. I'll we'll breathe, then meditate. Because the breathing before meditation just makes it so much easier to drop in. And I'll put on some music. I'll dance around my office. And um, I just take a really in a intuitive approach to my day, even if anyone has gathered from this conversation. I like being very flexible and fluid with my all areas of my life, but just really asking myself on a daily basis, what do I need to nourish my body, to nourish my soul, to nourish my mind um, has been a really big game changer because it allows my days to look different, but the feelings and the outcome of the emotion to be the same. I see. I see. You know, uh, I see a lot of people out, out there doing like what you do you know, and I, there's always like a lot of positivity in 
seeing you speak and seeing other people speak. And, and I, I like to remind the, my listeners that sometimes, you, you know, everyone gets down, you get down. What do you do when you're down and just the news is too much. And there's so much, do you, do you have a process that you, you use when that happens? Do you let those emotional effector patterns just move through you naturally? Do you go into a meditation? What happens when you aren't your normal chipper inspirational self? What do you have yeah. to do to handle it? Yeah, I definitely do get down. I am super hard on myself. I'm definitely someone that puts a lot of pressure on myself basically every single day. So um, for me, when I do start to feel the overwhelm of the world or just my own personal expectations weighing heavy on my shoulders, it depends. Sometimes I'll take a bath and let myself just soak in a bath and have candles going and some, I'll put like binaural beats on YouTube in my ears and just listen to that. Sometimes I'll go walk down to the ocean and stick my toes in the sand and just look out in the ocean and remind myself like you are safe, you are okay, you are part of this. Um, I'm very grateful we live a couple of blocks away from the ocean so we can walk down there pretty frequently. Um, and other times it's screaming into a pillow. It's punching the wall, not in like a intense, going to break through the drywall way, but like in a, in a, I'm smacking you kind of way to let anger be expressed. And so I think for me, I just always, again, coming back to that question, what is it that's going to make me feel better right now? And really reaching for the healthy option and also not judging myself. If I reach for the unhealthy option, if it is drink a glass of wine or eat three cookies, um, having grace with myself. And I think one thing that I've always told myself is that, okay, Ava, you are allowed to feel this now, but let's work through it. Let's do what we need to do today. Let's sit in it today and know that tomorrow you're going to wake up feeling better. That's good. That's good advice. Do you, do you feel like handling the sadness pattern is different than handling the anger pattern? That's a good question. Yes. I feel like anger needs to be expressed through my physical body where sadness I can often express through just feeling and, and sitting and, um, crying and, um, journaling and just holding space for myself and more solitude and stillness versus through movement and expression. That's interesting. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that you came on the show today. I really liked what you had to talk about. I, I love that you're still seeking your kind of your, your, your spiritual world in that passage and bettering yourself and still delivering your message to everyone. Oh, and you're yeah. leading by example by doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's never ending. You know, I think that I, once I realized that I was like, oh, okay, so I, I just got to show up now then. <laughs> yeah, there's no closing the book on this. That's for no, sure. Not at all. But it's been a pleasure to have you on here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully uh, you'll revisit later in the year. I would love to. Perfect. Thanks for coming out today, Eva. Thank you. Bye-bye. it my interview with Ava Johanna make sure to check out her social media and her websites and while you're at it visit ours metatomics.org visit the home of the quest podcast at anchor.fm forward slash metatomics you can leave us a voicemail there if you want to 
Or you can email me anytime at questwithtodd at gmail.com. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Quest. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content. And make sure to pick up a copy of the book that started a spiritual revolution, Metatomics the Grand Design available for sale online and at most major bookstores.